You know, one of the great things about living in Tennessee is all of the healthcare initiatives that really do such incredible work. One of them, of course, is St. Jude's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Most of you know the story of St. Jude, Danny Thomas, a well-known entertainer who was trying to get his career started, prays to St. Jude and says, if you will show me my way in life, I will build you a shrine. Well, Danny Thomas became a very successful actor. The Danny Thomas Show uh, was the king of network television. In fact, a lot of the actors you know got their start at the Danny Thomas Show. Uh, Andy Griffith. Well, Andy Griffith got his start in a, a part of the show where Danny Thomas was stopped by a small town southern sheriff, Andy Griffith. Isn't it amazing all the things that I know? <laughs> so that's where Andy Griffith got his start. About 70 years ago, Danny Thomas kept his promise and started St. Jude's Hospital. And since then, it has been success after success in treating childhood cancers. In fact, they even talk about some of these cancers, of them being able to cure them, that if they can catch you uh, with a uh, pediatric cancer early enough, that you can live your life cancer-free. It is an amazing story and continues on. And you know, one of the most amazing things about it is the families aren't charged, that if you are referred to St. Jude's Hospital and they accept you into one of their programs, you aren't charged. It is an amazing story. Now, wouldn't it be cool to be part of a place where people come for healing, where people come and find hope, where their broken lives are put back together? Wouldn't it be great to be part of a place where people could find that kind of help and never be charged for it? Well, you are part of such a program. You are part of such an organization. It's called the church. So Peter reminds us in his first letter to the church, the second chapter. These are familiar words, but stand with me, find your copy of your scripture, and let's read these words together. Therefore, because of everything I've just told you, therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the world, of the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, that living stone rejected by people who, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ which says in scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen, honored cornerstone. The one who believes in him shall never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected now has become the cornerstone, a stone to stumble over, a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word and they are destined for this. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession so that you may proclaim all of the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were no people, now you are God's people. 
Once you had not received mercy. And now, now you have received mercy. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Lord, in these challenging times to be a church in a hostile culture, we read your word and remind us that we're not the first people to be here. We're not the first people to face this kind of challenge. So we pray that you will find in us the same kind of tenacity, the same kind of faithfulness, the same kind of commitment that you found in those first believers. And we pray this in your name. Amen. The book of 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter, is written to a group of believers throughout the Asia Minor, not written to a particular church or a particular person, but to a group of people who were undergoing some kind of persecution. Now, we're not given details of that persecution. We don't know how bad it was or what level it involved. But we do know because Peter tells us that for this short period of time, we as a church are having to undergo this kind of strife. So be faithful and hang in there because Jesus is at work. And what does he tell us? He tells us about who Jesus is. Let's remember, this is who Jesus is. This is the one that we have believed in. And because of who Jesus is now, Jesus is doing a new work. He's building this new holy place, a new tabernacle, a new place of meeting. And you and I are those living stones. Now, because of this, because you and I are the building materials of this new tabernacle, here is what Peter wants you to do first. Therefore, because of everything I've told you in chapter one, here is what I want you to do now. Get rid of envy, get rid of malice, get rid of slander, get rid of all hypocrisy. Now notice what Peter says. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to pray about these things and see if they're in your life. He doesn't say, let's form a group and we'll talk about if these things are in your life. He says, you know what's in your life. Deal with it. We aren't giving a whole lot of fancy spiritual instructions about how to deal with it. We're not even told to confess with it. We're told to get rid of it. Now, let's stop here and just be honest. One of the reasons that it's important to be in a group is when you start studying scripture, when you start following Christ, the first person you lie to is yourself. You read a passage of scripture, it will say, beware, don't do this, or be careful about that, stay away from this, and you will say to yourself, ah, that doesn't bother me because this passage doesn't apply to me. If you don't have brothers and sisters around you going, what? Of course it applies to you. Don't you remember? And then they will call out that particular action in your life and remind you that you are accountable to this very passage of Scripture. 
Peter is writing to brothers and sisters in the early church and he said, you know you have these things in your life and they're the kind of thing that break fellowship, being jealous of each other, uh, being uh, hypocritical to each other, uh, slandering each other. These are the kind that break down the fellowship and we have to get rid of them before we can start building the fellowship up. When you have these things in your life, Peter says, stop doing them. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? I have this going on in my life. Well, st stop doing that. You know, it's like going the time you go to the doctor and your doctor says, what hurts is as well. It hurts when I move my arm like that. And your doctor says, well, don't move your arm like that. Here's what happens. You will have something in your life and you will start fixating on it. Okay, and you will say, wow, I've really got to watch uh, my temper. I don't want to lose my temper, okay? And you go through your whole day going, I don't want to lose my temper. I don't want to lose my temper. I don't want to lose my temper. And then guess what? You lose your temper. Something will happen and you'll lose your temper. Then you're mad, you're, you're, you're all upset because the only thing you have focused on is your temper. I tell you this all the time. When you start thinking like that, the only thing you do is you put the sin in the middle of, in the middle of your brain. Uh, just like I do when I get up in the morning and say, hey, I'm not gonna eat an Oreo cookie. Today I'll be strong. I will fight the urge. I will not eat an Oreo cookie. Whatever happens, I will not twist the chocolate cookie off and lick the creamy middle. I won't do that today. Today I will be strong. Today I will not eat an Oreo cookie. What am I doing? I'm putting an Oreo cookie in the center of my brain so that it is the only thing I think about, it's the only thing I see, it's the only thing I want, and by five o'clock that afternoon, if not before, I'm in the cookie aisle of the nearest grocery store. Notice what Peter says. Get rid of these things, how? By desiring the pure milk of the word. If you want to get rid of these things, Fill your life with Jesus and his teachings. Do not spend your time going, I don't want to be more, I don't want to be malicious, I don't want to be evil, I don't want to envy, I don't want to, don't do that, okay? Because that, that just sucks you into this negative cycle. Read the scriptures. This is what I want to be like. I want to be more like Christ. And when these things come up that are not like Christ, then you let them go. And you fill that space with the presence of the living Christ so that as Christ fills your life more and more and more, all of these things are washed out of your life. It's not that you fought them and let them go. It's that you desired Jesus and when you started following him, all of these other things were just washed out. Get rid of these things. How? By desiring the pure milk of the word of Jesus. I'm going to focus on scripture. I'm going to turn off all my social media. I'm going to turn off my television and I'm going to focus on studying the word. All of this other stuff will take care of itself. Now here's why this matters. <sighs> Throughout history, God has provided an alternative 
platform, uh, an alternative visual for the world to see, hey, you don't have to live like that. You can live this way. In the beginning, it was Abraham and the people of Israel. It was Moses and the tribes of Israel. It was Jerusalem and the kingdom of David. Now it is Jesus and his church. If you want to know, if you want to understand that there's another way to live, a better way to live, then I want you to look at my church, the people who are called by my name, who are following my teachings, and they will show you a better way to live. The way they do this is one, they purify their own lives, and then they're used by Christ, the divine architect, to build the tabernacle, the place of meeting, so our world can see there's a better way. There's a better way to live your life. There's a better way to be in fellowship. There's a better way to be in community. And we have this living, breathing building right in the middle of our lives where people can meet God. Christ is placed as the cornerstone. That part of the building that every other measurement is taking from. Once that cornerstone is established, then it's there and it's not going to be moved. And the choice, Peter says, is a simple one. One, you can be joined to it or you can trip over it. But it's there. And you're going to have to make a decision. You see, Jesus forces you to make a decision. Sometimes we try to put that decision off or we try to put that decision to a side and say, well, you know, I, I like Jesus a lot. I think he's a great teacher. But he won't let you off with that. Is he the son of God or he's not? If he's the son of God, then you follow him. If he's the son of God, then you believe in him. If he's the son of God, then he owns your life. He's there. Right in the middle, every measurement is taken from him and you will either be joined to him or you will trip over him. But you won't be able to get away from him. And when you are joined to Jesus, you become a priest. You become a holy nation. <laughs> Did you notice all of the metaphors, all the word picture Peter throws in here? You know, if you were grading this paper, if you were an English professor and you saw this, you would have marked through all of this and say, there are too many metaphors here. It becomes too confusing. Well, maybe. Or maybe Peter just wanted to make his point. This is who you are now. You are a holy nation. You are set apart. You are different. You are always available for the Lord's use. You are a royal priesthood. You come from the line of Levi. The priest in the day of Moses, the tribe of Levi was set apart of all the other tribes to minister to the Lord and to take care of all of the priestly responsibilities. You and I are this holy priesthood, this royal priesthood who are set apart from the rest of the world to tend to this tabernacle so there's always a door open. There's always a light on so that when someone wants to meet with God, there's always a place to do it. There's always a person who can help them 
that's you. And he piles it on once you were nobody. And now you're somebody. Why? Because everybody who walks in is a nobody. They don't have a name. The Lord gives them their name. When they walk in and say, you don't understand. This is what's happened in my life. I'm a nobody. <laughs> and you say, and I say, yeah, we understand. We too were some nobodies. And now in Christ Jesus, we are somebody. We're not orphans anymore. We have a home. We have a family. We have a father. We have a name. Once you hadn't received mercy, now you have. Mercy. It's that moment in that movie about the Roman Empire. You know, the one about the gladiators. And one of the gladiators will be defeated, will be knocked down, and the winning gladiator will step up and put the sword to the, to the defeated gladiator's throat inches away from killing him. And they will appeal to Caesar who will give a thumbs up, let the man live or thumbs down and execute him. We've all been in that moment, haven't we? Where we have been totally and utterly defeated by our own mistakes, by our own failures, by our own sin. And we appeal for a second chance that we don't deserve. And the Father gives us a thumb up. Mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who will find those who are crying for a second chance and don't deserve it and give them one anyway. Best story. Best story of this is in the great story, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Quasimoto, the deformed belt ringer of the great cathedral falls in love with the beautiful Esmeralda when she is falsely accused and threatened with her life. He saves her. He brings her into the church and yells to the crowd that's following him, sanctuary, sanctuary. Oh, that's a great movie. You've got this, 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 scared, this scared young woman and Quasimodo crippled as he is, dragging her into the church, yelling to the top of his lungs, sanctuary, sanctuary. You see, the teaching was that inside the sanctuary of a church, nobody could mess with you. You couldn't be arrested. 
You couldn't be hunted by police. You couldn't be hunted by the military. You couldn't be hunted by your enemies. The sanctuary was a safe place. And if you got inside the sanctuary, you were protected. If you got inside the sanctuary, even though you didn't deserve a second chance, you got one. So like Quasimodo, we walked through our neighborhoods and community and we yelled to the top of our lungs, sanctuary, sanctuary. There's a safe place, a place where the orphan can find a family, where the nameless can be named, where those who don't deserve a second chance can get one. The church is that holy tabernacle founded on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, built by the living stones of each of our lives. Once all nobodies. Now, in Christ Jesus, somebody once not having received mercy. Now we have. We are the building where people can find God. We are the place through whom mercy flows. Not our mercy. It is the mercy of Christ. Not anything that we have. It is only him through us. And this is where it happens. In this holy tabernacle built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, the living stone of all of our lives, where our broken and wounded world finds sanctuary. Let's pray together. Whatever you have to do, O oh Lord, do it now. Whatever you have to work, in our lives, whatever you have to take away, whatever you have to add, do it now so we can be your church, pure, holy, sanctuary. Because our world is desperate for the safe place to find you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I wish the pandemic did not make us talk through a video. I wish there was a way we could talk face to face. And I'd want to ask you a couple of things. I want to ask you a couple of things like, what is Jesus in your life? Where is Jesus in your life? Is he the cornerstone that you're building to? Or is he the stumbling block you're tripping over? I'd want to know what's going on in your life. Are you part of this holy nation, this royal priesthood? Are there things in your life you need to deal with that you need to get rid of so Christ can use you more fully? I'd want to know all of those things and so much more time doesn't allow that. Nor does the social distancing of the pandemic. But here's what I'd want you to do. Would you type connect to 623-623? Text connect to 623-623 and just say, hey, Mike, here's where I am. Here's what's going on. We'll be in touch with you as soon as we possibly can. If you want to know more about this relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to know more about us as a church, if we can be a friend to you in any way, we want to do that. Connect 
623-623. Thanks for being with us today, and I'll see you next time.